0: Well, good morning, chapel. How are we doing today? Are we awake in the room? I hope so, because Lord knows I need you all to be awake. As I share today, um, I believe that God has some incredible things in store for us today, and he's already been so good and so faithful just in our time of worship to be able to come into his presence, sit with him, commune with him, and just enjoy him. And to me, that's one of my favorite things to do. I love to be able to come and spend time with God's people, um, but also just in his presence, uh, worshiping and loving him. And so I'm thankful to be able to be here today and to be able to share with you and what I feel God has laid on my heart. And I hope and my prayer is that it uh, encourages you and inspires you uh, to live this faith out because we're all in it together, amen? It's not necessarily always going to be easy. It's not necessarily something that we are going to always enjoy, right, Uh, because life sometimes hits us. But I do believe that if you're willing to lean into the Holy Spirit and who Jesus is, that he fills you with the power that you need to walk this thing out. To walk this thing out so that way when it is all said and done, you know that you lived a life well before the Lord. That you lived to bring honor and glory to his name while you lived on this earth. While you walked and while you did the things and accomplished the things that he's given you to do, your family, your life, your things, your job, that you walked in a way that you said, Lord, it's all yours. And I'm just your vessel. And so today I do believe that um, God is going to continue to do some cool things in this service. Um, But I'm thankful and excited to be able to be here and to be able to share with you today. Uh, My name is Marissa. Uh, For some of you that uh, may know me, uh, the first five years that I was here at chapel, uh, you probably didn't know I existed unless you had children because I was the kids pastor and I was back in that wing and... I didn't really come out a whole lot. Um, they, I spent time with your kids, and I loved it. That was where God had me for that season, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And I'm so thankful that I got to spend time with those kids. Um, I built relationships with those kids that I loved on your kids and your families. Um, and I'm thankful that God had me there for a season because I know that it was for a reason and a purpose. I poured into those kids, and I'm now in this moment, I encourage you to do the same. I want you to pour into that next generation. If you're serving in kids ministry or or youth or six, seven, eight already, great. If you aren't, I encourage you to get in that space. Spend time with their kids. Pour into them. Pray over them. They need it. And they need people that they can trust that love them and are praying and believing for them because God has big things for them right now in this moment. And the enemy is coming to try to seek, kill, and destroy. And it's our job as a family to pray over them, pour into them, and believe that God has great things for them to do now and in the future. So if you are not serving in kids ministry, I encourage you. That's my plug. Miss Madeline, you're welcome. She's doing an excellent job. She's coming off maternity leave and she needs some help, uh, I'm sure. But that is my plug for kids ministry because that is always my, where my heart is. I love chapel kids. But let's go ahead and um, let's pray to, get to begin. Father, we do love you and we worship you because you are so worthy, so good, and so holy. And I pray, Father, in this moment, God, that your heart, Lord, would um, just be revealed to these people today, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, Lord, in a way like never before, that we can understand your love for us, Father, that we could understand your grace and your truth and your mercy that is new every morning, and that as we get up to live for you, Lord, as we set our feet on the ground, God, that we would be empowered and emboldened to live for you, Jesus. I pray in this moment, God, that you would fill us up with love that is overflowing, We trust you because you are a faithful father. And we believe in you and all of these things we pray in your name. Amen and amen. All right, well, we're going to get into it today. I do have a few things that we're going to share. I'm going to share with you. Today I am sharing on uh, the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ is us, the church. And I'm believing that in this moment God is going to call us to, to rise up and to understand who we are. And whose we are so that we can live this thing out well. So we can bring honor and glory to the one that we serve. And that we can reflect him in his glory well. He's counting on us and relying on us. But he's not doing it in a way to make us feel pressure and feel the weight of it. He's doing it to say, son, daughter, you're mine and I have power. I have good things for you. I am here for you. And I'm going to help you through this thing if you would just stay focused on me. If you would just keep your eyes locked on me, I've got good things in store for you. If you would just remain faithful to me, I've got something for you. From the very beginning, God has had a plan and he's been trying to reveal it to us. The word of God, this word that we read, that I pray that you read. And if you aren't, I encourage you to get into it. It's amazing. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is inspired by God, written to us so that way we could understand this concept of love for what it really is. Because the world has twisted it and turned it to make it look like something that's not what it should be at all. Many people who don't fully understand, you read the Bible a few minutes and you begin to realize, man, this guy's killing a bunch of people. And seems kind of sad and everyone's dying and everyone's getting smite, smote, smitten, I don't know. (laughs) And you think, man, this guy is kind of rough. The Bible is the complete opposite. The word of the Lord is the complete opposite. God is the complete opposite of all those things. It's his actual heart of love that he has for us. This deep desire and love that he has for his people that he created, that he desires to spend time with you, communion with you, fellowship with you. From the very beginning, he's been trying to reveal it as his family unit. He's had a plan, and he's returning back sooner than we realize for his spotless bride. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, you can start there, and we're going to end up in Matthew. But if you want to start in Ephesians 5, 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and give herself up for her. So, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loves the church. She, the church, is his bride. And give himself up for her. Jesus laid down his life for us. That he might sanctify her, redeem her, make her holy, wash her, cleanse her, strengthen her. Having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. The Lord is coming back for the spotless bride that he's made pure and holy. Holy. You see, from the very beginning, you know, I think about weddings. We're coming into summer, and I know we celebrate all of the good things. We celebrate, you know, graduations, and um, we get to go on vacations. We get to do all these things. A lot of times I end up what I feel is like the, the, the wedding train. They're, everybody tends to get married in the summer. It's steaming hot, especially in the south, and you're sweating. And you're, Why do we do weddings outside in the blazing heat? I don't know, but that's what we choose to do here. So that I just sit, sit in my dress and I'm sweating and my hair and my curls are falling out. I'm like, what are we doing? There's, there's the indoors with are conditioning. Why are we in there? Right? The wedding is, uh, this wedding concept is very unique to me, though, and very special. And I love it. And I think about my own wedding and that day. And we all can go back to memories, right? Because some of us, at some point or another, we've all been in a spot where you've either uh, attended a wedding, right, Uh, you show up and you're in the crowd, you're an attendee. You've either um, been a part of a wedding where you go and drop your wallets because, well, by the time you buy your dress or your suits and shoes and the parties and all the things, you have no money left. So you drop it all there. Um, So you've been a part of that. Or you yourself have walked down that aisle been a bride or a groom. And this concept of wedding is so incredible to me because I love to watch how the bride, you know, they all the preparations have happened. They've planned, they've prepared the decor, the colors, the flowers, all of the things. The bride herself goes out and looks for this perfect dress. You try them on, and I don't know why, but it's true. They say when you put the one on, that is the one. It is the one, and you know it. I mean, it's true. It happens. And you prepare yourself, and you get ready, and you do the makeup and the hair and all of the things. And All of the headaches of prepping and getting ready and finding and planning and searching and looking come together for this one moment at this wedding. And the most special moment for me that I love to watch is when they fling open the doors and they pull that carpet. And there's the bride. And she begins walking down that aisle. And as she walks down the aisle, there's chaos in the room, people all over, everyone's around. But I love to watch how she begins to walk down that aisle. And there's this moment when she looks down at the end and she sees her groom standing at the end of the aisle. And her eyes become locked on his. And as she walks, you can look around the room and it seems to her as if everything else has faded away. Why? Because she, her eyes are locked on her husband-to-be that is standing there waiting for her. And you look at him and it makes me so happy because sometimes you'll see the man and his eyes, it almost breaks because you see it in his eyes, his love for her that is pouring out that everyone in the room can feel it. It's powerful and strong. Why? They're walking down and they're coming together knowing two are becoming one, fully committed, fully devoted. That no matter what comes in the future, it doesn't matter at that moment because in that moment that they're walking down the aisle, they are fully in love, fully happy, fully committed, devoted. It's powerful. It's a powerful thing. Today we're going to talk about, we're going to walk through a a journey, we're going to do a quick journey through the Bible because I want you to understand that all throughout scripture, God is trying to show us this love concept, this bridal concept, this wedding concept that we can understand and we can learn and grow and mature in our love for him because from the beginning until the end, from Genesis to Revelation, it starts off with Adam and Eve, right, man and a woman, and it ends with Jesus coming back for his bride, And all in between, as we read the word, he's trying to show us, reveal his love for us. He's trying to teach us how to live. He's trying to show us what we need. He's trying to teach us to depend on the Holy Spirit, that we have one within us to give us strength and power. But he's trying to explain these things to us so we can reveal it, so so it can be revealed, so we can understand. We're going to take a quick walk through the Bible. Stay with me. I know I talk fast. I say it's a northern thing. I don't know if it's true, but I talk fast. But the whole Bible works together. It's God has had a plan from redemption and a way to restore the broken relationship. We're going to hopefully understand the love that Jesus has for us and how deep it really is. And then we're going to try to apply all of this together. All right? We're going to try to figure out what does that mean for us? What does that look like for us while we're here? So we're going to take a quick look together into the word of the Lord. Starting in Genesis, now I told you, whew, get ready, okay? Hopefully you got your ears ready to listen because there's a lot here in the next few minutes. But I want us to kind of go through these things because I want us to understand, it's so important for us to understand that from beginning to end that Jesus is, has had a plan and he's trying to reveal it to us. Starting in Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve. Eve is the helpmate. We understand this, right? He could have left Adam on his own. Thank God I realize what happens. The fall of man happens. But listen. Adam would not have survived. He made the animals. He made all of the things. He did all of the stuff and he was there. God said, name them, feel free. But then he realized, this man's going to need some help. This man is not going to survive on his own. He needs someone to communicate. He will not be good to be left on his own with his own thoughts. So he created this woman, Eve, to be a helper. God is trying to show us here in this moment of love and devotion commitment and fellowship, to show the needing of one another, of working together, of leaning on one another. It's a family unit. God's created us that way. He's created this bridal concept, this wedding con- this marriage concept so that we can work together. And all throughout he's trying to show us to put the connecting pieces together that this is how he feels for us. This is what he's doing for us. Okay? So this helpmate in Genesis 2.18, it says it's not good for man to be alone. So obviously we know he takes the rib and he creates Eve. This concept of helpmate of with two becoming one, right, starting from the very beginning, working together, learning to grow together. And I understand the fall of man, but even in hard times, you still got to put in the work. and You still got to be commoted, committed and devoted to one another. Then moving into continuing in Genesis 15 through 17, we see this establishment of covenant. God talks about a covenant and how uh, he makes it between God and people, right? And with the Israelites, how it's his people. This idea of covenant is letting us know that what he says is true. And if he says it, he will do it. So if he says, I love you and I'm coming back for you, guess what that means? He loves us. He is with us and he's coming back for us. God shows his love for people. Then he calls us out. He calls the Israelites out. He separates them. He protects them. He blesses them over and over and over again. And we can read throughout Genesis and Exodus, we watch how the Israelites begin to become dissatisfied with the love. They become uh, tired of waiting for something that is Really good and really amazing and right there at their fingertips. But they get dissatisfied and begin wandering off. They begin making their own idols. They begin worshiping their own idols. They begin living for themselves, doing their own things. They begin to walk away from the perfect love of God. And you think, how can that happen? What's wrong with those Israelites? Huh. I hate to break it to you, but we've all been there. I myself included. I start to live for myself, doing my own things, thinking I got it under control. Right, as a woman, I'm like, yeah, I can handle this. Give me a little more. I think I, got, I think I can handle a little bit more. I got that too. And then I realize, Lord Jesus, no, wait a minute, I don't. And then the Lord wraps back around and saves the Israelites and sets them free and protects them and pulls them out of the mess that they created. And he says, I love you. I am still with you. You're still mine. I'm still here for you. This idea of covenant of him being here, being with us is still in place. If you move into Hosea, Hosea is a prophet. And this book, if you read through it, it's this incredible book. Hosea is a prophet who loves the Lord, he honors the Lord, he is living for the Lord. Hosea, in this book, God is trying to show us this idea of unconditional love. Here's why. Everybody say, unconditional love. No conditions, loves us regardless, is there for us, protects us, is is doing all of the things. Unconditional love. This concept of unconditional love is powerful in this book. Because Hosea is a a prophet of God who loves the Lord, who, who honors the Lord and is living for him. But in this book, God tells him to do something. God tells him to go and marry Gomer. And you think, okay, Gomer's not so bad, sure. As you read through the story, Gomer is a prostitute. And God says, go and marry her and make her your wife. Take her home and protect her and keep her. Now, I don't know about you, but my discernment is pretty high, I feel. I like to look at a situation, assess a situation, and then kind of weigh out what's kind of going to happen, right? Right? After reading through the first part of Hosea, I'm like, I would, if I was Hosea, I'd be like, Lord, this is not going to end well. If you want me to take this prostitute as my wife, I don't see this going in a good direction, and I'm not sure I can handle it, right? But Hosea, I love him because he's showing us in this passage of scripture, obedience is key. Be obedient to what God has called you to do, and if you do, he is there for you in the middle of it all. So here he is. Hosea is there, loves the Lord, hears the Lord, and he takes Gomer as his wife. Hosea loves her, appreciates her, he respects her and honors her, but Gomer continues in her former ways. Ah, there it is. Over and over and over again, she begins to go back to her normal ways, leaving the protection and the love, the perfect love that Hosea has for her. She wanders off and does her own thing. You think, how could she do that? That life is going to be terrible. Don't choose that. I find myself sometimes feeling like, oh, I got it under control today. I know what I want to do. Lord, I don't know, I'm not sure what you want my future to look like, but I know what I'm going for, right? And so here she is in this moment selfishly desiring things for herself, desires to please herself, leaving Hosea over and over again. And here, listen, the Lord tells her, go and find her and bring her home. His love for her in that moment was so deep. He continually showed love and devotion to her in spite of her behaviors and in spite of her actions. Hosea two seventeen says this: "I will make you my forever wife, showing you the righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as Lord." Here, the Lord is revealing in this portion of Scripture to us, the church, the bride of Christ, that what we do. When we run off, when we do our own thing, when we make a mess of things, when we make a plan, there's a God who is waiting for us to finally recognize and realize I need the love of the Father. I cannot survive without Him. I want my protector. I need the one who is there for me that is going to carry me through. I can't do it on my own. Because when you repent and you run back to the Father, He is faithful. With unconditional love, waiting for you to return to him to say, I'm right here. I've been here the whole time. I'm just waiting for you to say, hey, I love you in return, Lord, and I need you. Hosea 3.1 says, go and love your wife again. And even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves his church. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love and go to worship other gods, I don't know about you, but this seems crazy to think about this unconditional love. How could he, knowing what she did? It's the unconditional love, and the Lord is trying to reveal that unconditional love to us as the church, that His love is there for us. That though we may run off, though we may think do things for ourselves, though we may selfishly live for ourselves for a moment, He's waiting. For us to lock eyes with him. He's waiting for us to recognize him as Lord. He's waiting for us to look to him in awe and wonder of who he is. If you continue to read on through the book of Solomon, this is a crazy book. And sometimes if if you've ever read it, you think, oh, I should probably not be reading this book. Makes me a little uncomfortable, not going to lie. I get it. Okay, read a few books, a few chapters in and I'm like, oh man, I do not need to be reading this. But through the book of Song, uh, through Solomon, uh, the Lord is trying to show us deep, deep love and desire. It's a husband talking about his wife, this deep love and desire. He's showing us that the love of the father, he, they, he deeply loves us and wants to commune with us, have relationship with us, have fellowship with us, communicate with us. It's not this one-way street where, you know, he's just up there doing his thing and we have to try to figure it all out down here. He's in this communion, this fellowship where he wants to be with us. He wants to know us. He wants to communicate with us. That's why prayer is so powerful because when you pray, you are actually talking to him. He hears you and he wants to speak to you, but you've got to position yourself in a way to receive his love. Because we, in this day and age, we've made love look hideous. Sometimes people are like, I don't even want that anymore. And the Lord is giving us his word to show us what does true love really look like. It is deep, not surface level, not just intimate, not just this uh, attractional thing. There's a deep longing and desire and love to want to be together, to want to grow, to want to mature, to want to, to move forward in all that God has for us. If you move on through the New Testament, we can see Jesus' desire to fellowship with us as the bride of Christ under the new covenant. In John chapter 17, it's an entire chapter where Jesus is in prayer. And in verse 22 through 24, Jesus says this, he's praying for us and he begins to express his desire, his deep desire to be with us. John 17, 24 says this, um, I want to see those whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can go see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. He wants to be be with us. He desires to know us intimately. He desires to, to spend time with you. Second Corinthians 11:2 says, "For I feel divine jealousy for you talking about the church." He's jealous for us. Why? Because our time and attention gets thrown in all different areas. Our families, our church, our jobs, serving, doing things for the Lord. We get all wrapped up in these things which are all necessary. Please take care of your families. Please serve in the church. Please do what God's called you to do. That's part of it. But where is all of your attention and your affection, your love, that desire, Do you have a desire to be with him and to know him deeply? Do you have a desire to spend time with him? Are your eyes fixed on him for moments of the day? Or are you just over here doing your own thing? if you don't have that desire in your heart, if you don't have that stirring in your spirit, then you need to get in this word and spend time with him because I promise you it is totally worth it. It is a great place to be. He's not here to bring conviction. He's not here to tear you down. He's here to scoop you up just as Hosea did with Gomer as she was lost and out in the world with some other man in the arms of another man. And he went and he grabbed her and pulled her out of that. Why? Because he loves her. He wants to protect her. And he wants to do the same for all of us. Scoop us out of the depths of despair where we've gotten ourselves in our own messes. Pull us up, pull us out, and set our feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ to walk in victory. That's not conviction. That's not condemnation. That's love. And that's what my Father wants for each one of us. And yet sometimes we choose to still go do our own things like Gomer. We still choose to walk off. God, help us. God, may we understand your love, that it's unconditional, that it's a covenant thing, that God, you've came to be our helper so that way in these moments we can understand your love for us so that way it will excite us to then walk with you that we spurred on to live a life pleasing for the Lord. Ephesians 5.23, which is the verse we read earlier, talks about the bride of Christ. It's not this mushy way of of love that we have talked about that people surface level things, it's this deep intimacy with him knowing that we have direct access to our heavenly father through Jesus. We have the ability to go to the creator of the world and sit at his feet. And love on him. Get guidance and direction. Get wisdom and understanding. Sit in a place that when we're broken, we could receive healing. When our hearts are hurting, we don't have to run to here, there, and everywhere and fill our life with all kinds of vices of alcohol and women and men and other things and relationships. We can simply sit at his feet and he's saying, I'm right here with you. I love you. When you come to me, I will fulfill everything that you need. When you get into the word, you may think, I, I've tried it. I've tried it. I've tried to read it and it's boring if I'm honest. I try to get in it and I just can't understand what I need to do. A couple things I want to give you, some application here. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand. Create a space for God to reveal himself to you. You have to make time. You have to put, make, pick a place. You have to create a time and a space to sit with him, to sit at his feet. And then push through the feelings of being bored or just quietly sit. Because I promise you in that moment, you're going to think, oh, this isn't even working. The enemy becomes to, comes in to fill your mind and say, oh, this is just a waste of time. You ain't got time for this. You got a whole list of things to do. And you better get on it or you're not going to be able to get it all done. He lies to us. Sit quietly, push through, because I promise you, as he reveals himself to you, as he begins to show you things in the word... The word begins to literally jump off the page. The scriptures begin to pop off the page. Or you could read a scripture a thousand times over and you read it again. And all of a sudden something pops out in you. And you're like, I never saw that before. I never thought of it that way before. But God and his Holy Spirit that is within you, living within you, makes this word active and alive. Every believer is a part of the bride. We often hear of the Capital C Church. We hear of uh, uh, the local church, right, which is what we are part of. God is trying to get us in a place to position us, the church, back to what it should be. You see, the church has gone off and done her own thing for quite some time, if I'm completely honest. We make it about all these other things and programs and things that, again, which are nice and which are good. But it's time for us to get back to what really matters. It's time for the church to realize who we are and whose we are. It's time for the church to realize we are the bride of Christ. We've been wallowing down with the pigs for far too long. And it's time for us to rise up and know that God is with us. That God has called us to do something here while we're living. And it's not just to increase our own bank accounts. (sighs) If you're living to increase your own bank account, if you're living to, you know, make sure you're set for success for later, uh, I got another thing to tell you. It's not about that. We are all the body of Christ. We are the bride. As we come together, you on your own, we make up this unit, which is the bride of Christ, because one day Jesus is returning. In Revelation, it begins to talk about him returning for the bride, the spotless bride. And as we live this life, to bring him honor and glory, to be on mission to understand what the Great Commission is really all about, it's for us to know Him, and to be known by Him, and to share His love with other people. Yet sometimes we get selfish, and we worry about us. And God is saying, "It's not about you." So Paul says, "It's Lord, less of me, more of You." It's not about me and what I can do in my good words. My, I, my words aren't even that great. I'm not even that smart. I promise you. I don't, have, I don't have it all together. It's about the Holy Spirit living within us that empowers us and emboldens us and gives us the ability to go out and accomplish what he's called us to do. It's time for the church to rise up and be who God has called her to be. It's time to get up out of the cycle of, of go finding him and then falling away, getting on fire and then losing it, walking towards him and thinking, I got it all figured out. I'm on my own. When our church understands, when the church understands this concept of true love that Jesus has for us, then Christianity begins to look a lot like it should. It's not people trying to be good or make good decisions. It's not trying to struggle through this walk and through this life. Who's been there? Who's struggled a day or two? I have. Let's be real. I've struggled a day or two. I've had my own moments of thinking, man, I just, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can handle all this. God's saying, I have you. I've got you. Once you understand this concept of love and who your father is, once you understand this unconditional love, that when you mess up or when something doesn't go right or you go off on your own, you realize that repenting isn't a bad thing. Repenting is coming back to your father and saying, I need you. I'm here. Help me. Take care of me. Provide me my needs. And he, with his unconditional love, does exactly that. It now becomes a desire to please the Father, a joy to please Him, an honor to reflect the glory of the Lord. It is my joy to honor you. It's my joy to honor you. I'm excited every day when I get up. I put my feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and I walk in victory that no matter what comes my way, God, you are with me. God, you are strengthening me. God, you are helping me through this. I'm not alone. No matter what my situation comes, no matter what the enemy tries to bring my way, God, you're with me. God, you're helping me. God, you're strengthening me. Holy Spirit, you're giving me the wisdom that I need. And I return to my love, and I sit at his feet, and he washes me, and he strengthens me, he encourages me, and then he says, all right, Marissa, let's get to move on. He gently gives me what I like to call it, what I used to tell my kids. It actually came from my dad. He would tell me, all right, do you need a kick in the pants? I'd be pouting all the way to church because I'd been there for like nine hours because we lived at church. My parents were pastors, and that's what we did. They they taught me to love the church. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That was great. But, you know, sometimes it got really long. I'm like, come on, get moving or I'm going to give you a kick in the pants is what he would tell me. (laughs) Sometimes we need a kick in the pants. Right? or the Lord says, sit here for a minute, rest in me. But We've got a job to do. Sit here, rest with me. I'm going to heal your wounds. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to fix all of the things that you've made a mess of. I'm going to work in these situations. It might be a second. Sit here a little longer. But no, this is not the end. I've got more in store for you. I've got more in store for you. This is not the end. Understanding the love of the father and this relationship we have with him is only part of the equation. There's a practical side and we're going to get into this pretty quick here. Because we don't have a ton of time. Sitting with him, spending time with him, knowing him deeper. Not this surface, I go to church, I love you Jesus. I, 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 you know, every week I am faithful. No. I'm talking about this deep, intimate covenant where you're spending time, this unconditional love. You're helping one another. You're there this deep love intimacy communion fellowship relationship it's beautiful. In Matthew 25. We're going I'm going to turn there real quick. Matthew chapter 25. We don't have a ton of time, but I want to get through this. Matthew chapter 25. It says this, "Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to the, meet the bridegroom. 5 of them were foolish, 5 were foolish." five were wise. Everybody say wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along some extra oil. Everybody say extra oil. Well, aha. Uh-huh. She said amen. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And the bridesmaids got up uh, and prepared their lamps. And the five ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go out and shop and buy some for yourself. That's... Yeah. Buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil... The bridegroom came. Then those who were ready, everybody say ready, went with him to the marriage of the feast and the door was locked. Later when the other five bridesmaids returned, they shouted outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But when he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Five were foolish. Five were wise. All were bridesmaids. All knew the bridegroom. All were very well aware that the the bridal party was coming. They all knew what was happening. Five had lamps, they had a light, carried it with them. The other five had a light, they had their lamp, but the key was the extra oil. Everybody say, extra oil. when the bridegroom was delayed, he was coming back for a feast. He was delayed. Took an extra minute. Took a little longer than they thought. The five thought, we're good. We got this. We're in great shape. Took a little longer than anticipated. Lord Jesus, I know your timing is important. And sometimes there are days where I think, you're taking a little long, Lord. I'd like for you to do this, X, Y, or Z. Or I'm ready for you to return. Or I'm ready for whatever. Or I need you to come through on this, right? We've all been there. five that were wise had the extra oil. The oil that was necessary to keep the lamp burning, the oil that was necessary for the, lo- for, the light to brine bright- for the light to shine brighter, the oil was necessary. From the very beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, God has been trying to show us this concept of love and marriage so that we can understand that it's real. He's coming back for us. The question is, is, are we going to be ready? Are you going to have your lamp where you're kind of ready, you show up, you do your thing, you kind of understand? Or are you going to be in, one, in a position to say, I have the lamp. <laughs> I just don't have this lamp, though. I have the extra oil. Oil is necessary and it is only received from your Heavenly Father. Spending time with Him, knowing Him deeply, being in relationship with Him, communicating with Him, communing with Him, sitting with Him, resting with Him. That is how you receive the oil. Two quick things that we're going to learn from this and this concept, and we're going to get ready to close. Number one, be prepared. It seems very, it, it's a short parable, but it's so powerful because it's showing us in this moment the preparation is important. Just like a bride who gets ready to walk down the aisle, she doesn't come walking down in her sweatpants and gym shoes. She doesn't. She, she doesn't just walk down with her hair looking a mess, a hot mess not, with no teeth brushed. We've all been there, trust me. I, I Every morning I get it. She doesn't show up that way on her wedding day. You gotta be prepared. You gotta know what you have going on. In the same way, in your relationship with Jesus, you have to be intentional. You have to interact with him. You have to spend time with him. You have to communicate with him. You have to read his word. You have to have a deep desire for him, that longing that when those doors open up and you begin to walk down the aisle, when you lock eyes with him, does he say, I love you, come. I've been waiting for you. I know you. I'm so, I'm so thankful that we're in this moment. When you lock eyes with him, is your heart filled with desire to say, that's my father and I love him. I've been waiting for him. I, I'm so excited that he's here, ready, waiting for me, little old me. He loves you. The wise ones were determined to get oil. It took time. They had to go out extra places. They had to make sure they had it and carry it with them. They had to carry all the things, right? You have to acquire your own oil. Spiritual preparation cannot be bought or borrowed you're not gonna find it from somebody else. You can't go to your neighbor, can't go to Pastor Bobby, can't come to the next person and say, I need this. The doors are opening, I've gotta have something here. I, I don't have any oil, I got nothing left. I thought he was coming, but I figured it'd be at least five more years, you know, with the blood moons and all the things I waited. Can't be bought or borrowed, people. You yourself have to acquire the oil. The way that you get that oil is by spending time with him, by reading his word, by allowing him to heal your wounds, resting in him. You say, but I got all this stuff. He's like, I don't care, bring it to me. Can't be bought or borrowed. You can't run off and get it. You can't run to one church to the next church to the next church to find it. You gotta build deep roots and you gotta allow him to fill you up. You can't borrow it from somebody, your husband, your wife, your neighbor, a friend, a pastor, a person. It's not bought or borrowed. It's spending time with him. It's getting on your knees. Be intentional with the time that you have. Realize what he's doing. Realize that he's coming back for you. Realize that this world is more than just trying to get nice things. That it is a full story of him coming back for his bride. And he's coming sooner than we realize Number two, be expectant. You don't know when he will return, but he is coming. Timing is important, right? Sometimes we get agitated by the time, we get antsy with the time. That's what the people, that's what the, the bridesmaids say. They had oil, they got a little antsy, they got a little tired, right? Verse 10 says, Then those who were ready went in with him. For the marriage feast when you're ready you live expectant for the lord you live in a way that says lord i know that you're coming back so today when my feet hit this ground and i go out wherever i have to go my workplace my job my family lord help my heart and my attitude to remain yours lord help me to walk in a way that i'm reflecting you in your glory well help me when i deal with those customers that drive me insane because they know if they think they know the business better than i do Lord, help me to know that they may be hurting and you may want me to share your love with them. Lord, help me when I go to school and my friends are living for themselves because that's what society tells us. That's what culture tells us. Live for yourself. Make a name for yourself. Be popular. Be cool. Lord, help me to not care what others think, but to know that I'm known by you. Lord, set my heart on fire to find you and to know you deeply. Lord, help me, Lord, to stand up for truth and what is right, Lord, in the moments and the places that you've replacing me because I know that that's what you're calling me to do because when I do that, when I stand up for your glory, Lord, your name is being lifted on high. You are being revealed. Your love is being shown to others. That's what God is calling the church to do and be. We don't have to walk around broken and down and all miserable and, oh, woe is me. I'm mean, going to wear my sackcloth and fast and pray. Yes, that's important. But it's not to go boasting about all of those things. It's to walk out of there and say, Lord, I'm filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit that as I walk out on this day, that as I go forth in my friends and my family, my job and my workplaces with my kids and, and serving and doing and loving, I know, God, that you're filling me up and I'm on mission to reveal your love and glory to others. Be expectant, expect God to reveal himself to you when you read his word. Expect God to do incredible things as you go out and do your daily things. Expect God to do something powerful. Expect him to work and move in your situations and expect God to return for his unblemished bride. Clothed in a beautiful white dress, ready, washed in the blood of Jesus, ready, with eyes locked on him. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me so excited. That thrills my heart because I think about that day when the doors fling open and the carpet's rolled out and I look down and I see my father. What a powerful day as I get to walk down that aisle and he looks at me and says, daughter, you're mine. And I get to look at him and say, Father, I'm yours and you're mine. Ephesians 3, 14 through 18 says this, and this is really my prayer for you in this moment as we're getting ready to head out. Paul says this, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven Uh, And on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, the height and the depths, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. My prayer for you today, the church, the bride of Christ, is that you would know the love of God, that you would understand the deep and intimate and relational love of God that as you spend time in his word and you sit at his feet and you allow him to bring healing to your body and you allow him to bring fire into your bones, that as he reveals his love to you, that you would know and it, in your, down deep in your heart that you would become awakened and excited for what God is calling you to do that you would be awakened and excited that every day that you rise up, that you would know I'm not doing this thing for myself. I'm here because I want the glory of the Lord to be revealed in and through me, that as I take my first step and I take my second step, as I get moving and make my kids breakfast, as I do the laundry and get the house prepared, as I get out to work and I go to school or you go do whatever you have to do, that God is calling us to live a life surrendered to him And I promise you, it's totally worth it. It's difficult sometimes to understand the love of God, but when you do and you take that time and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal it to you, opening it up, realizing from the beginning of the Bible, from Genesis through Revelations, God is showing us, teaching us, revealing to us these things and these concepts so that we can walk in the fullness of God. And we will one day see him face to face. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna ask you a couple of things and I want you to be honest in this moment because this is kind of an evaluation for yourself. We live life, we get busy. That's just, that's part of it, yes. But maybe you're in a position tonight, today where you've never really fully Ask Jesus into your heart to understand this love concept. You've never really fully given yourself or surrendered yourself to the Lord. But in this moment, you're beginning to understand your eyes are being opened and you're being awakened to something within you that you're realizing, man, I I do need forgiveness of my sins and I need Jesus to wash me. So if that's you, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything crazy. But I just want you to be honest with yourself. I have a couple of questions and that's the first one. If you have never asked Jesus into your heart, but you want to do that today, you want to to make that right today. And you want to experience his love in a real way. Now and moving forward, this is just the starting point. This is just the beginning point of your relationship with your father. If that's you and the Lord's tugging on your heart, just slip your hand up. I'm gonna pray for you if there's anybody in the room. I wanna get that out of the way. I wanna make sure that everyone in this room is has a chance or the opportunity to accept Jesus in their heart. Okay, the next one. Maybe you've accepted Jesus into your heart and you live for him, but you're not necessarily um, have that passion or desire or deep burning to know the Lord in a greater way and today you're understanding your eyes are being awakened your heart is being awakened and you're realizing i want that passion i want to know him in a deeper way i want that intimate relationship i want to commune with him i want to fellowship with him i want to desire him more than anything else i want him to be my one thing so you maybe are those bridesmaids that have the lamps you have the light but you don't fully have the oil that's you, if you would raise your hand, if you'd be honest enough with no one looking around to raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Just be honest together. If you're in a space, next question you're in a space where you're saying, I've surrendered my heart to the Lord. I love the Lord. And I I do, I read my Bible and I'm growing in him. And my relation with him is, is deepening every day, but I just want more. I just want more. I just want more. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I just want more. If that's you, if you would raise your hand, I just want more. Thank you. Thank you. I just want more, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus, in my life. I need more of you in my life. I can't make it on my own. I just want more. I just want more of you, Jesus. Set me on fire for your name, Jesus. Help me to live a life surrendered unto you, Jesus. I want more. I want more. I want more. If you would stand to your feet. We're going to pray together. I just want more, I just want more. we're gonna pray together because I want the fire of God to fall on us today. That when you walk out of this room, that you would be awakened and empowered to live in love like Jesus. That you would know that if something's going on in your life, it's okay. God is there to rescue you, to heal you, to take care of you. He's your heavenly father who loves you unconditionally. But when you walk out of here, I want you to be empowered to know that the Holy Spirit goes with you. And He's filling you up till overflowing, so that way you will be like the bridesmaids that have the lamp, but that have that extra oil, because we don't know when He's returning. There's a, maybe a little delay, and it may take a moment longer, but He's returning, and I want us to be ready, and I want us to be prepared, and I want us to be expectant for what God has for us, because it's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. So if you would do me this favor, if you would lift your hands to him. And we're going to pray together, and we're going to believe that God has more for all of us. No matter what spot we're in, whether we need to accept Jesus, whether we, we, are, we need more of Jesus, or we're saying, Lord, fill me up till I'm overflowing. Let's believe together. Father, we love you and we worship you today. We know that you are a good and faithful father, that there is none like you in all heaven and on earth, that we can search Lord all throughout the world, father God, and we will never find another like you, Lord. I pray that today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that your spirit would freshen us, that it would fall on us, Father God, that you would renew us, that you would strengthen us, that you would bring healing to us, Lord, that you would bind up our wounds, Lord, that you would take care of our marriages, Father, that are failing and struggling, Lord, that you would take care of those that need a touch from you, God, for those of us, Lord, that have become hard-hearted, Lord, that have gone our own way and done our own thing, Father. I pray right now, God, that you would soften our hearts before you. I pray that we would understand your love and your mercy, God, that is new for us every single morning, God. That as we run to you, Lord Jesus, is not to be condemned or to be brought shame upon us, Lord, but you're doing it out of love and out of grace, Lord, that we get to now walk in and be victorious, Lord. I pray that you would help us, your church. Lord, the Capital C Church, Lord, yes, but Lord, I pray for chapel, Lord, in this moment, for churches all throughout this community, Lord Jesus, that we would be a light for you, that we would not only carry that lamp and carry it well, but that, Father, we would carry that extra oil that cannot be bought or borrowed from anybody else, Lord. Help us to carry that extra oil, Lord Jesus, that is required to keep the lamp burning bright. I pray for us, Lord. I pray for our hearts to remain steady before you. I pray for our hearts, Lord, to remain surrendered before you, Jesus. That as you are filling us up, Lord, as we sit with you, filling us up till overflowing, Lord, help us to go out, Lord, share your love with others and be expectant for your soon return. We do love you and we worship you. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. He is good, amen. Well, I hope and pray that you have a fantastic day. Don't forget, Connection Point, through the doors to the right if you're new. And also, Essentials will be in the lobby. There's a table in there. Stop by for some more information. Love y'all.